This is the Ezra podcast. And we got a fight that's going to settle some arguments, some beefs. It's going to show us if Shakur Stevenson is the real deal this weekend. But before I get into that, before I get into that fight, before I get into UFC, Paulo Costa versus Marvin Vittori, I want to get into, uh, you know, I didn't do a podcast last week. Uh, pre-fight or post-fight, so I might as well do the post-fight now, and that's uh, talk about, you know, the big result that happened was Mikey Garcia versus Sandor Martin, which Martin ends up pulling out the upset victory over Mikey Garcia, and what I took from the fight was that Mikey Garcia is a part-time boxer, and he's not full-time anymore, and he doesn't have aspirations no longer in his career besides paydays which is not wrong I would never say that's the wrong way to look or attack fighting but it's not a formula for success and even if you see when uh, Floyd Mayweather like when he started taking a dip and I know age had a lot to do with it but the dip that really happened was when he was just fighting for money and was no longer fighting to prove a point or fighting competition that he respected or anything like that. When he started fighting Connor, he starts fighting kickboxers, starts fighting, you know, Logan Paul, Andre Bertel. He he no longer treats this as a threat. He no longer thinks that this is a, a competitive fight. He just thinks he's doing this because it's big paydays. And his performance dips. Even though they, it could dip against these guys because they're no good at fighting. Or no good at boxing for, you know, Conor McGregor, who is a good fighter. Great fighter. Um, it, it could dip like that, and he would still, you know, give a, you know, a good a good enough performance to get the win, I guess I would say. But with Mikey Garcia doing this, and he's doing this against guys that are legit fighters, legit boxers. And then maybe not the highest level when it comes to Martin, but a level good enough to compete, a good level good enough to Consider yourself pro and a guy that has aspirations, has dreams of becoming a world champ. He also did it at 147 pounds, which honestly makes no sense, but it's also another symbol, another sign of laziness in your career, another sign of not taking the sport as serious as it needs to be taken. And that's where the fight result came out. That's what came out in the, the night. He couldn't get going. He couldn't get to the next gear. He couldn't, his timing was all off, and it was just not going to happen. And at some point, you could see it in his face that he knew that that wasn't going to come, that the shots weren't going to come, that it, he wasn't going to have the timing tonight to be effective, and he was in a bad situation. Now, could he keep it competitive? Yes, because he's Mikey Garcia and he, he's a talented fighter, but he wasn't ever in a position to really win this fight, and he never was in position to put Martin in a threat or any of those things, and that's what happens. This is what happens when you're a part-time fighter and you do... You know, all these things, all these signs of not cutting weight anymore and, you know, taking fights quick notice, their quick turnaround, uh, you know, like this fight was put together and then ready to go like in a few weeks. Like it was no really time, no time for to be training 100 percent, no time to get your mind right, no time to game plan 100 percent. It's just like, yeah, that guy's no good. I could beat him. Uh, I'm going to get off the couch and start training. And this is what happens. Which Mike Garcia is an elite talent, but even the elite talent need to show up every day. It's like uh, Patrick Ewing says he when he treats basketball like a farmer. He gets up every day at 5 a.m. and gets to work. Because that's what it is. That's how you keep your craft. You keep your tools sharp. 
That's how you keep your tools sharp. And Mike Garcia was not sharp. He was dull that night. And I I don't picture a rematch happening. Um, Mikey Garcia was a was a was turning into an opponent, but a, a good name one that I think uh, people were looking for. I did uh, expect. I did like a a guess of fights that could happen in 2022. And one of the ones I had was Mikey Garcia versus Javante Tank Davis at 140. And I really believe that that was a, a good option for, for both guys. It was a good option for Tank to show that, you know, he, he, a decent name, right? To get a decent name on the resume. is a good short, uh, a good chance for Mikey Garcia to show that he still was uh, someone that had to be taken serious in the lower weight classes. But that, I think that, that those options are all gone now. And especially for what Mikey Garcia is, you know, is used to getting paid to, to have fights. I just don't think that there's not a lot of options there for him. And really a lot of his, you know, need to see him is him being effective, him winning. And when he's losing, it's, it's it, his, his image and his career becomes a lot less interesting. He's just, because he doesn't have the most exciting style. He doesn't have the most exciting personality. But when he was firing on all cylinders, he was fun to watch because of the skill, the talent, and he had the Mexican background and all those things. But there, it comes to winning. And with this guy, with Mike Garcia, it comes to winning. Now, for Sander Martin, is he kind of, you know, got the biggest win of his career, biggest win of his life? Is he kind of like, you know, I'd be kind of like overlooking him, honestly, in a way. Like, is the story just kind of all about Mike and not enough about Sander? And you could say that. Right, you could say, "Oh man, well, Martin got the win. How could we don't talk about him more?" I think it's because of the performance that Mikey put up, and it was kind of the way Sander won, which he kind of just not saying there's, you know, there's a certain way you need to win, but it wasn't like a wow win. It was kind of like this guy's rusty, and this guy's taking advantage of it. Now he has the name now on his resume, which what happens to a lot of like prospects, right? A lot of prospects come up. That's why a lot of guys fight Gamboa. Guys, uh, Haney just fought Leonardis. Is that maybe this guy's not what he once was his career, but you need to get that that name on his thing. Uh, Floyd did it to De La Hoya. Well, Sander got it, uh, Mikey Garcia. Now, did he get all the credit maybe for it? No. Does he get all the attention? No. But you're going to know who he is. The next time he fights, it's going to be, you could say, that's the guy that upset Mikey Garcia. He, it goes, even the top prospects have to go through this phase where they get the name. He got the name. Now he's got to prove that he actually belongs here. And that just wasn't Mikey Garcia on an off night. He'll get that opportunity to prove that. But to say that, you know, oh, you know, we're overlooking him or, you know, not giving him enough credit. He got the win and people, and it creates a little bit of buzz. Now the next fight, people are going to see. There's plenty of guys that DAZN has, especially signing just Montana Love, that they could have a matchup with to Show that he's a real deal. Now he, when he got that fight, got the attention he needed, and that's what you should want. Now look to take advantage of it. We had uh, news today, and the news I'm disappointed because it was a fight I was looking forward to was Dylan White uh, hurt his shoulder. Now people are skeptical of this, especially because Dylan White is not talking about rescheduling this fight. He's talking about just going to Tyson Fury. Now Otto Wallin is a much tougher fight, and it was actually I was very uh, surprised to see that this fight was announced. Uh, for Dillian White because it's just a tough fight and Otto Wallin gave Fury all he could handle. And it wasn't a gimme fight. It was who, you know, White has been very vocal about getting, a, you know, kind of an easier matchup for him on the next fight. He ends up with, you know, I think to me a lot tougher matchup than Pavekin 
And a week before the fight, he pulls out with a shoulder injury. And now they're talking more about going for Tyson Fury because he's mandatory than rescheduling this fight. Which, I mean, of course, is going to raise some eyebrows because it's going to seem like, okay, you knew this fight was going to be tough. You found a way out of it. And now you want to use that mandatory to fight Tyson Fury. Now, that's going to have to be settled with the belt system on how they're if they're going to honor that mandatory, even though he just skipped a fight that he was supposed to have. Was the fight he was having voluntary, or is that a mandatory challenge? I, all these things, all these questions are out there. But it doesn't look good for Dylan White, and it's not good for boxing fans who wanted to see a, a pretty decent heavyweight fight. And a fight that I kind of was leaning towards while in. But the, you know, I don't doubt, I, I don't think you're going to get much more answers than, you know, than, yes, he's hurt. I don't think you're going to see x-rays or... No one's going to believe him anyways. So I don't think that matters. But the interesting part is, does he get Fury next? I have my doubts on that. I have my doubts that Fury is really interested in fighting Dillian White. I have my doubts that there's a lot of buzz for that fight to demand that fight. And, you know, because Tyson Fury is really at that point where his fights kind of have to be pretty big. They have to sell because the money that he's going to demand and the wins he's coming off of is kind of at the point of the career where he's kind of not looking to fight every comer. He's kind of looking to fight the big fights. So I just, I can't see that fight really being made. Maybe he steps down from the, uh, drops the belt, doesn't go for undisputed. I don't know, but I'm not, I wouldn't hold my breath for that fight. I also wouldn't hold my breath for Dylan White to reschedule the fight wall in. And kind of the, you know, going hand in hand with Dylan White's career, he's kind of in limbo yet again. A lot of people talking about Devin Haney and David Haney and Teofimo Lopez got into it. And remember, Teofimo Lopez is going to fight on the zone November 27th uh, against Cambosos. And David Haney wants that fight. David Haney is looking for an opponent. He David Haney is open to all comers. And he just needs someone to sign the dotted line. And it doesn't seem like much people are interested in doing that. Now, is that, be- is that because they're afraid of David Haney's skills? Or is it because David Haney isn't that big a name in boxing. I think that's a little bit of both. I think that people respect David Haney's skills. I think also that David Haney isn't the biggest of name in boxing. I think to a casual fan, a lot of them probably wouldn't know who David Haney is. And when you see people say, why don't they fight David Haney? They're afraid of David Haney. They very, very rarely bring up a fight that they can reference that shows that Devin Haney is an elite fighter or the, the 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 reason why these fighters are scared to fight him because he really doesn't have that performance. In the Leonardo's fight, his last one, which was supposed to be like his coming out party, the highlight that we all walk away with is him hurt doing a full-on, you know, shoot for a hold, surviving the final rounds of that fight. So, Devin Haney's fights aren't really showing that he's the boogeyman. But no one is signing on the dotted line. And I think it's a combination of both. He's a tough fight because he is skilled. And I don't believe that there's enough attention to make that fight. Now, everybody gets mad at Ryan Garcia, who is, you know, a, a mandatory for the belt that Devin Haney has, which Ryan Garcia doesn't isn't in a hurry to go get right now or is in a hurry to challenge for. And then you have Jojo Diaz, who is next in line behind Ryan Garcia, and he himself is not in a hurry. Now, why is that? Because they're under the same banner of Golden Boy, and Golden Boy wants to make a 
giant payday for themselves with two of their own fighters where they don't have to split it with any promotion with Ryan Garcia versus Jojo Diaz, which will happen in February, it looks like. Now Haney wants to go fight Teofimo. Teofimo is going to match him because of a, a um, purse bid that gone wrong with Triller. But Teofimo's with top rank. And top rank wants him to fight Lomachenko. And if he doesn't want to fight Lomachenko, he wants to go to 140, they want him to fight Taylor. Or Ramirez. Or one of the guys they have. Lomachenko, top rank, similar thing under top rank. Now, I think Lomachenko is a more realistic fight for Devin Haney because I think Lomachenko's older. I don't know if top rank, uh, you know, has a long-term plan for Teofimo. I think that if they could make that fight, it would make sense. But who's really selling that fight? Who's really... Uh, eager to buy that fight who's really crying out for that fight now the fight that would probably make the most sense and could sell because on Tank's name alone would be Tank versus Haney and if Haney is the free agent network free agent that they say he is then he could very easily go to PBC and fight him doesn't look like that's the direction Tank and his management is going to go they're going to fight Rolly Romero who does not deserve the shot uh, is not a, to me, a credible opponent for a level the Tank is at this point. He's definitely more talked his way into this fight when it comes to Roley. And it doesn't look like they're going to go the Haney way uh, either. Now, is he the boogeyman? It be kind of it kind of becomes the Dem- Demetrius Andrade situation where Andrade's not selling. People aren't clamoring. For him to get the shot. But he has some skills. So of course. These fighters are hesitant. Not that they don't think they can beat them. But they just think it's a tough fight. But there's not really the biggest payday for it. There's not really this bigger this big uproar for it. Why would I go out of my way to do it? Now I believe that Ryan Garcia will eventually do that fight. It's They're both on the zone. For the time being. And. I think that De La Hoya and Goldenberg, they can let that fight cook. The fights, if we do it now, it's premature. And we need to get these guys both to the star power to where they could cash in on this fight. I really believe that's the plan. I don't I don't believe that uh, Garcia will not fight him. I think that they will fight eventually, probably end of next year, early uh, 2023. But... Haney's got to show something. He's got to create some buzz on his own. Because the trash talk is working. And him and Teofimo going back and forth was, you know, had had some play on Twitter. I'm sure it had some play on YouTube. But you got to have a performance that says, yes, that's the guy. He has yet to have that yet. Time will tell who they match him up with. But he needs to start having some uh, exciting performances. Something to get people talking. Start creating the imagination of people. Let's get to the fight this weekend. You got Jamal Herring versus Shakur Stevenson. Uh, two Southpaws, two uh, guys that want to go in there and box, two thinkers in the ring, two, two fighters that, you know, Jamal Herring had to earn everything he's gotten in the sport. And, it took some time, and it, it took uh, some. It took him taking advantage of some opportunities, and it took him, you know, really finding himself in the ring 
to get to the spot where Shakur Stevenson, out of the Olympics, he's a medalist. He's the guy that top rank wants to be the next big guy. They've sold him kind of as like the next Floyd, the next big American fighter. Now, has his performances lived up to the hype? No, they haven't. Now, this isn't the same situation where Devin Haney, where Devin Haney has struggled in fights. No, Shakur has won his fights, clearly. There's no debate on who's winning Shakur fights. Or there's no situations where he's hurt, or there's no situations where he's worried. He's not there. Shakur is a victim of guys not being good enough to get to him, to test him, to really make him bring something out. Now, should he be forcing the issue a little bit more? Maybe, but that's more on the mentality. And in this game, you just have to win. And he's winning by a wide margin. Now, I don't think he's the most exciting fighter, but I think that if you get him to maybe the right skill level, right, and he starts beating better guys, and he does at the same, you know, the the, ease, the same ease he's beating these guys, then it does start getting interesting. He does start getting exciting because then you start really being able to admire the skill that he has. But him beating mid-level guys is not that fun. It really isn't because he doesn't have a style to make it fun. He's much more of a fencer in the boxing ring. And he's looking to keep distance, touch you, and not get touched. Now, Jamal Herring isn't really honestly too different. He just doesn't have the physical gifts that Shakur has. Shakur is lightning fast. He has very good feet, very good legs. Shakur Stevenson has one of the fastest uh, back steps I've ever seen in boxing. And that's really his, I think to me, his best gift and best skill that he has in the boxing ring is his back step that gets him out of danger, gets him out of a situation, and allows him to gain range again. Now, Jamar Herring is going to want range as well. It's going to be a battle of range. Jamar Herring doesn't have the elite speed. He doesn't have elite footwork or he doesn't have elite explosion in his legs. Now, he has good footwork. He has good speed. He has good power. He has good timing, good distance. He's good at everything. Now, he's not great at anything. But sometimes if you could put a lot, all those good things together, it could create a great fighter. Now, Shakur Stevenson has great things but hasn't had a great opponent, hasn't had really the great performance to see that he is a great fighter. And they're hoping that, you know, that this is the matchup they need for both guys. Jamal Herring would get the credible win that would put people, to f put him up there with the best guys in the world and put him up there for, uh, you know, f finally some decent paydays, which I'm sure he's getting in this fight, but I'm, I'm talking about, you know, big payday versus Valdez or Navarrete or... You know, even Gary Russell, any of those guys. He 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 wants big fights with big paydays. Now, Shakur needs a big win. He needs to look uh, good against a, a very good opponent, and that this it feels all you know checks all the bo uh, checks all the boxes in this fight. How do I see it playing out? You know, well, with Shakur, with the way he controls distance, the speed, the the skill, the, he fight on the inside. He just hasn't been forced to fight on the inside much because of his footwork. I think Jamal Henry is going to bring a lot of things out of him. And I think that Shakur is going to really show what he has in this fight. I think Jamel's a lot better than maybe Shakur believes he is. But I think that's only going to raise Shakur's game. 
And I think Shakur is going to win the spots where Jamal usually wants to be in a fight. He's going to be in positions that he wants to be in this fight. But Shakur is more gifted in those situations and more speed. More dynamic with his legs. It's just going to beat Jamal to every every uh, part of the ring. He's going to beat him to every punch. He's going to beat him to every step. To beat him to every position. And Shakur is going to, at points, put it, put it on Jamal. And I think that he, I think that Jamel's not the type of fighter to just take a loss by decision. I think he will begin to get more aggressive and look to get on uh, Shakur and look to try to dog him in a fight. And I think that Shakur is better on the inside. And Shakur's going to land some big shots and a lot of damage over, you know, a, a lot of rounds. And in the late rounds, I think he might get the stoppage in this fight. I'm going to pick Shakur by TKO. And this is going to be the point where we start seeing Shakur's true talent of what he is. Now, Shakur's one weight, or he might be, I think he's, yeah, he's a, he's a weight below, you know, the, the 135. Right, he's way below those guys, the Ryan Garcia's, the Tiafimo. So he didn't get in with the four kings, right? He didn't get in with that names and everything like that. And that kind of hurt his career, I believe, a little bit. He's not really considered in with those guys. He's not considered in the running with those guys, in the competition with those guys. But I think Shakur sees himself in competition with those guys. I think he thinks he's better than all those guys. And I think that this performance will show that he has a skill to where even if he's not as big as these guys, he's going to have the skill to move up and still challenge anyone. That's what he needs in this fight. And if he can do that to Herring and look as dominant as he did against everyone else, well, that's going to let you know that, you know, if you put a really skilled guy in there, he might be able to do the same thing that he's been doing. And that starts making those performances look better. And he'll have the options of Valdez. He'll have the options of Navarrete. He'll have the options of Lomachenko. He, uh, Oscar Valdez. It. He'll have a lot of options after this fight. He'll have. And I think that people will start seeing the skill level that he that he has and start respecting him because I think that it, it at one point was getting there and then it just you know like a like a fruit it begins to rot. Right, if it, he can't just leave a fruit there, it, it can't just sit there, and that's what it kind of was doing with his career, where he wasn't getting the next level of competition that he needed. It was beginning to rot a little bit, and people were beginning to turn on him. Now they're finally saying, "Okay, got to put him in there now. Someone there for real." And this is the fight to see if he's for real. I always do a counter for someone, right? And I not a counter of like, and I hate when people do counters for fighting. They're like, "He got to make it ugly. He's got to make it a dog fight," and all those things. I, I don't, I don't. No, there's another way. There has to be another strategy. To win a fight, especially with the guy as skilled as Herring, and I think it's gonna be the jab because both guys throw jabs, but Herring is longer in this fight. I think he has to continue the jab, he's got to up his work rate. He can't be the pick and choose how he likes to fight and how he did against Frampton. He can't pick and choose, he's got to be active, a lot more active. And I think that the jab will force Shakur to react more, to be, uh, you know, to be a little more aggressive. And in between those aggressions, right, and if he can get Shakur a little uncomfortable, but in those aggressions, Herring's got to look to 
capture when Her- when Shakur has to work his way in because of the reach. If he jabs him on the outside and Shakur says, okay, I got to get in and then start punching, well, you're already set if you're hearing. So if he takes a step in that range, he's already in range on the far. So he steps in range to get into his shots. He's got you got to make him walk into things. And Shakur, I've seen get hit before when he does have to get a little more aggressive. So that's why he kind of doesn't get aggressive because he only gets aggressive when he's completely one-sided on someone. Then you'll be like, okay, I'll do that. He's a smart fighter. He's a patient fighter. He, he knows what he's doing. But if Henry can kind of control the fight with his jab and keep working the jab and then make Shakur get a little more aggressive and make him step into range, well, you already have that. He's stepping into yours. You're already set. Make him pay in that mid-range. Don't let him get on the inside. Make him pay as he comes in. Control that and control those exchanges. And I think that's where the success is. But it has to be off the jab. You have to be more active. You cannot be as patient. And you can't let Shakur control the pace of this fight and determine the when the action begins. Because you have the reach. You should control that. You should make him work. You should constantly be making him think. We go to the UFC, and I, I, I love when there's a good UFC fight, and I think there's a good one. Now, we got to talk about the controversies going into this fight, which is Polakos is just being pretty open that he's not going to make weight to this fight. So now, Marvin Vittori, what do you do? UFC wants this fight to happen. Where are you going to do a catch weight, right? Because Acosta lets you know, hey, I'm not going to make weight. That's to do a catch weight at 195. Now, Marvin released a thing on Twitter saying that you're dealing with a real fighter and that Costa wants out, but no, you're dealing with a real fighter, which means that he's probably going to agree to a catch weight. Now, I believe the, 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 the guy's name is Chase Hooper, who's the MMA fighter who's like a jiu-jitsu, that kid, long hair kid, uh, curly hair kid, tall. And he said, well, Marvin should still cut weight to 185 and make Costa pay you 30% of his payday. Yes. That's 100% correct. That that's I didn't even think of that, but yes, that's what is what he should do. He should still make weight. Now, if they could get some catch weight, the catch weight should be on agreement that Costa pays still 30% of his payday to Marvin Vittori. Because Marvin Vittori is a professional here. And he should reap the benefits of being professional. Now, before I knew that this was happening with Paulo Costa, <coughs> excuse me, I would pick him in this fight because Marvin Vittori is a, he's kind of a one punch at a time guy. He's not dynamic with his legs at any point. Either is Colsa, but Marvin Vittori is extremely not dynamic with his legs. He's very slow plotter. And I would think that he would kind of, in this fight where I think that the skill level of standup, I think Colsa is a little looser. I think to me a little more comfortable, confident in what he's doing. And I think Marvin Vittori still has to think about what he's doing. He's still very slow with his legs. I don't. Sometimes I believe he has to like wait till his legs catch up to what his brain's trying to do. And I believe the Marvin Vittori is gonna have to, you know, kind of really be dependent on some kind of ground game and catching uh, Paulo Costa in a submission, getting a clinch and catching a submission. I would really think he's dependent on that. And I think Costa is strong enough, and Jiu-Jitsu is good enough to avoid getting submitted in those situations. And Marvin Vittori might be gassing himself out to get to those positions. But Costa's not making weight. And where do we see someone not make weight last time and ask for, you know, an, a catch weight fight or 
they'll fight to go to the next weight class. Well, that was Nick Diaz. Now, are they comparable? No, maybe not. Right? But that just shows you that maybe Costa's not in the best shape for this fight. A lot of times when the guy doesn't make weight, it's not just that he has a hard time making weight, but it's because he's not in the best shape. He wasn't fully committed to camp. He, all those things. And those are all warning signs. So before I heard, heard, heard all that, I would say Marvin Vittori. I would say, I mean, sorry, Costa to win this fight by decision. Now I'm leaving, um, leaning Vittori. I don't think Costa's going to be in shape to do this fight. And I think that he's going to blow his load early. Because Costa does do that. He does have lows when he's in the best of shape. So I think he's going to blow his load early. And Marvin Vittori is going to begin to pick him apart. Because the one thing Marvin Vittori does do, and this was going to be a part of my counter what Vittori could do to get the win, is he throws a straight left. And Costa doesn't throw straight shots. He loops his shots. And especially if he's tired, his guard is very terrible. And Vittori could fit shots right straight down the middle. And Costa's game allows him to, you know, he has to put pressure. And he doesn't really care about space. He wants to be in on you. Vittori's to be able to get some body locks in. So he will be able to get the fight to the ground. I truly believe that the fight's going to go to the ground. It might go to the ground early. And of course, it's not in the best of shape. I think that Vittori can really control, but I would think that Vittori, the smart thing he would do is get position and control that position. I think Vittori goes a lot for guillotines. He looks a lot for submissions. And he could do that with a certain level guy, but a guy like Costa, who's big and strong and experienced in jiu-jitsu, you might just want to get the position here, especially if he has cardio as a problem. Then control that. Beat the will out of him. Similar to what you did to um, Holland, and keep that in this game plan. This is, could be a big win. And this is obvious sign that Costa is going to move up to 205. This could be a, a, a very good win for Marvin Vittori. Put him right back in the, you know, the championship picture. In a picture that I, you know, I imagine Adesanya is going to move back up to light heavyweight soon. All the competitors or competition look very similar to the guys he already, you know, guys he beat already. It's all guys he had beat and now it's looking for rematches. I'm talking about Brunson, I'm talking about Whitaker, now I'm talking about Vittori or Costa. He's not going to be long for this weight division anymore. There's not a lot to prove. But Vittori could get this win, maybe an interim title shot. You never know in the UFC what is coming for you. But a big win for either of these guys. But Costa really hurts himself for not making weight here. Big win for Vittori could really put him in a, a, a good situation and for, for a good fight or even... Something happens, an interim title shot. And that's all you want to be. That's all he wants to be right now. Keep working his game. I'm going to take Marvin Vittori in this fight. I'm going to take him by decision. I think that Costa's going to blow his load early. I don't think he's going to be in shape for this fight. I believe that Marvin Vittori's going to be able to get a body lock. There's going to be some ground. And Costa's just not going to be able to keep up with the pace of this fight. The pace that he needs for this fight. Because his game is really on pace and being explosive. And that once that disappears, he doesn't have the skill to, you know, pick his shots. Or, you know, be patient and all those things. He doesn't. His game is like, come forward. I'm throwing shots. I'm not aiming precisely. I'm just throwing them. He's kind of reminds me of like Street Fighter where you, where you fight the car. And it's like, that's what I feel like. It's some fighters are pinpoint at the edge. You know what I mean? They, they see the details. And so people, some fighters in MMA are just fighting the car in Street Fighter. And they're just trying to see how much damage they can do. That's what Costa's going to do. I still think he has the energy to beat the car. I really don't. And if he did, if to me, if he was coming in shape, he'd be favored in this fight. But it's, it's clearly that he isn't. 
and it's clear that Marmontor is, and he's serious about this fight, and he's taking this camp seriously. I'm always gonna you gotta lean towards the guy that's doing that. This has been the S Ra podcast. Thank you for listening.